How does God handle a crisis? Well, if we observe carefully, the Lord, as he was about to face the pain and torture of a bloody crucifixion, can provide us with guidance that work for him. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. You know, we've been talking a lot about prayer in recent episodes. I believe the Word of God points out that prayer, in all of its forms, is the most important information the Holy Spirit can reveal to us, His church, the closer we get to the crisis approaching the Lord's return. Listen to Peter's response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And in the last days it shall be. Boy, right at the very beginning, there's a timing indicator. Peter's talking to something that's going to be much further in the future. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, those future days, I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, cosmic and ecological events, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. You see, God did not display cosmic signs at his first outpouring, but he makes it very clear, abundantly clear, they'll be unmistakable at his second coming. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Great revival is coming. Great revival through a, a, a church demonstrating the wisdom of God and these wonders to the, the powers of the air. Any doubt here? what the Spirit of God is talking about? Any questions regarding the time of this coming event? And certainly on whom the Spirit will fall or the magnitude of the revival to follow? I don't think so. God's ready to pour out His Spirit, and He's, he's waiting for us to get ready. And let me say, we will be ready. Holy Spirit-anointed prayer will fill the church just as He did in those early believers. They were told to wait, they did, and he came. Peter, listen, Peter could have said, he didn't say this, but he could have said this, you haven't seen nothing yet. The next outpouring will be like the first only on steroids. He didn't say that, folks. I did. But that's how I feel that that outpouring will be. It'll be greater than we could possibly hope, imagine, or dream. You know, every great move of God began with prayer, crisis prayer, the kind of prayer that comes at a turning point in the decisive or critical moment in history. Jesus experienced crisis prayer in the garden. Listen to Mark's gospel, how he described how the Lord faced this critical turning point. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32. I'm going to read some scriptures, so stay with me here. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. 
And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. The hours come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. How did Jesus face crisis? The sorrow he faced was to the point of being overcome so much as to cause one's death. The actual Greek rendering here says he was thrown into a terror or amazement at what he was about to suffer, anguished, and, and he was distressed. Listen, folks, shock will bring you to prayer. Some of you have experienced that. The reality of this thing hit Jesus extremely hard. I believe the agony he faced was the realization of the burden of sin he would bear. Certainly he was aware of the, the physical suffering to come, but as God in the flesh, realizing he was accomplishing redemption for not only his covenant nation, but for the entire world. All of his virtue was literally poised to explode. And there's another word, virtue, comes from the Latin speaking of strength. The connotation is of a straining an example would be a man with huge muscles might strain in the confines of a tight shirt. In other words, a restrained or held back strength. Jesus well knew who he was, the miracles he'd performed over the past several years, including raising the dead. But he also knew he must restrain himself from, from losing his strength, even to the point of death that he would not be free from this, this physical and emotional confinement, literally, until he came forth from the grave. Now, our crisis may very well be associated with shock, a, a speechlessness and a, a sleeplessness, a disrupting of our body and psyche. Can you imagine the fear the confusion that will grip the world when it begins to experience the critical must-events that will precede the day of the Lord? The ecological disasters, economic collapse, gigantic power shifts in, in political, in global political structures that have maintained a relative stability for generations. Even that will drive us to prayer, prayer of a kind that we don't even know how to begin with. Listen to Paul in Romans 8.26. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, 
But listen to this. The Spirit himself intercedes. He stands right there in the gap for us with groanings too deep for words. Jesus denied the scream of his own will and the torture cry of his flesh. And he rejected the demand to get into a spirit of fear. And a church that today begins to fall on its knees with with groanings too deep to even utter, a surrendered soul to the works of the flesh, I fully believe, will become the corporate witness to the nations in this crisis to come. Well, Jesus also defined the issues that were before him. Let's read verse 34. And he said to them, he said to the disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Beloved, don't be afraid to tell God how you feel, what's going on in your life. He already knows, but but telling him will clarify in your own mind the issue or issues before you. You know, something that has uh, dramatically helped me in my prayer life, especially when I'm unable to communicate what I, what I feel in the Spirit, is to ask God how He feels. I seek to know what's most troubling to Him in His Spirit at the time that I'm praying. What might be at the top of His agenda for that earth, for the earth in that very moment? Sit and wait. He'll show you. Brothers and sisters, then you'll really know how to pray in the mind and the will of the Lord. For Jesus, at that time, it was his holy nature. For the church, in this hour, it's, or it absolutely should be, the ministry of the church at the end of this age. And the persecution that will accompany that ministry, as the Bible says, for the word's sake. Let's learn to be specific with God. Where the great outpourings have come throughout history have so many times come from where people prayed to the point of crisis. You know, thirdly, Jesus pondered the alternatives to the situation that he was in in verse 35. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. It's like he was torn inside. He he fell on the ground uh, like he couldn't wait to get on his face before God. Jesus pondered the possibility of a way out. Luke says, his sweat became like great drops of blood. Folks, if, if we are really honest with ourselves, we want a way out of crisis, critical circumstances, the kind that seemingly make our heart stop. We want to immediately go on a search-and-destroy mission to get free. I believe the answer to that dilemma is to establish immovable barriers and boundaries in our lives and do it ahead of time. Sooner or later, we'll be tasked with making those decisions. Now is the time to get started. Obeying the Father in prayer and intercession and travail and and responding to the wisdom and strategies that come from such prayer is a step of faith to which the Holy Spirit will respect and respond. The Word of God teaches that true faith will always be manifested in obedience to God's revealed will. So ponder, ponder the alternatives. Jesus, in his moment of crisis prayer, made a decision 
verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I'm convinced that each instruction from God in the context of prayer is linked to a miracle in your life, that each act of obedience will bring a turning point at a, a particular critical point and time. You, you might not be freed of the crisis, but you'll be able to face the shock of the moment, to have the wherewithal to define the issues before you, ponder the alternatives, and make the right decision. And beloved, that decision can be made in confidence because you have a history with God. You've spent inordinate amounts of time in His presence in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Listen to James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. Ponder the alternatives, church. But make a decision out of the boundaries that you've previously set. Let's go on with what he's saying here. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Remember, the effective, fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God, will turn the situation around to his advantage. At the end of the day, you and I may very well be alive and well finishing the work, having faced the shock of the task before us, defined the issue, pondered the alternatives. Our decision will, will have come out of the groanings of the Holy Spirit that provide us with the power to enter into His presence with thanksgiving in our hearts and enter His courts with praise. Well, speaking of prayer, let's pray. Father, You know what we need even before we ask. But I would submit, Father, that many of the crisis events You will bring about on this earth will nevertheless stun our flesh to the uttermost. For that experience, Father, we want to be prepared and we want our hearts prepared ahead of time. Will you show us how to do that? By your Spirit, will you, will you bring us to the point of brokenness that our grace and rest for our souls will come, will come out of your secret place where we will be filled with assurance and strategy for the days to come, absent of fear but full of love. We ask with expectancy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless each and every one of you. And Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.